Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 58. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about the tension between adhering to the truth and finding ways to be winsome in people's lives. And my name's Kurt, and I'm going to be talking about there's people behind us in our faith, ahead of us in our faith, and how we partner with both groups of people. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's great being here. Yeah, glad that you're here and uh, appreciated your um, message this weekend. I feel like, um, you know, maybe people from the outside might not know, but um, in a lot of ways, a lot of this core value is, though it's flushed out in all of our ministries and all of our places, um, a lot of it is entrusted to you on our staff team. And so I thought it was just a great, um, very accurate that it was you teaching this weekend. Yeah, it was no pressure at all. Yeah, Yeah. but it is something I have a passion for just because I think in our world, a lot of that is lost. Yeah. So I definitely hold on to that. Yeah. And it came through this weekend, you know, like I think your, your passion for the topic and not just, um, I think a lot of times when you see people that are passionate about truth, you really see people that are more passionate about being right than they are passionate about like, no, this is what God said and he's made it accessible to us. And we want to make sure that we make that accessible to others. Um, And so I think that's a whole different ballgame than just, I want to be right and I want to prove to people that I'm right. And you have just such a clear passion for um, not just what the truth is, but for people coming to understand the truth. Would you say that's always been true about you as a person? Or would you say that's been a kind of over time or in ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. I think over ministry, you you find people, and for me, it's deeply personal. And maybe that's why truth becomes such a high value is I've seen people walk away from the truth and I see the devastation in their life and it reaffirms mm. why truth matters. Mm. It's not... Uh, just a theoretical or intellectual pursuit. It really is real life people dealing with real life problems. And so when I watch, you know, just the truth being trampled and they don't realize what's happening until years later, it's hurtful because you want them to avoid that if you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're seeing the impact throughout ministry of when, when truth is lost, there's ripple effects. It's not just, right. man, intellectually, we're not on the same page. It's like, no, this is going to resound throughout your life in well, so many it, different yeah, and ways. Yeah, in, in college, it deepened a little bit because even church history is a love of mine and, mm. and even biblical history. And you go back and I get, you know, that statement, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And yeah. I think in biblical history, biblical, the biblical record, we look at that and when truth is forgotten, the pattern is the same and it's just destructive. And so yeah. I've seen through church history, through just Israeli you know, Jewish history, there's this pattern of, of rejecting God's truth, doing your own truth, and the outcome is always negative. Yeah. Yeah. You see very consistent consequences come up over and yeah. over again. So when you see that consistently, you know, oh, maybe we should speak to that more so people can avoid that because yeah. no one likes to see the people you love go and get hurt. Yeah. And when we know that and, you know, and I love, I remember Pastor Tom recently saying that like, man, when we have a, an issue with something that God's uh, adhering to something that God said in our life, it's not really a like intellectual issue. It's a, it's, it's whether or not we believe that he is who he says he is, you know, exactly. like that's what yep. it comes down to. Cause if we do believe what he, he is, who he says he is, then man, we're going to structure our lives accordingly. And so it's like, okay, if we believe that, And I thought that was what was so interesting about this weekend is um, 
some might think, okay, we're in this topic on truth um, and the core value of it to us as a church. Um, let's dig into God's word. That's where we're going to start. But you started with, no, let's start with the character of God. God is truthful. Um, what was kind of the, let's zoom out even further, what was kind of that approach for you in your study that you felt like that was the spot we needed to start? Yeah, it's hard because both are so closely connected. But for me, I start with God because without God, we can really have no absolutes. Hmm. He is the one absolute that triggers anything else that lasts. And so when it comes to this concept of truth, even his word is breathed from him. Yeah. And so the root comes out of who God is of his essence. And so it just made sense to start with the person who gives us everything that we would call truth because that's who he is. And so that's the reason I started there. I feel it made the most sense to me to begin there, even though the Bible is how we understand about God. Yeah. So you could start with the Bible and say, let's start with the Bible. I felt like it was. It makes more sense to start with God as He is, and then what He gave us through His Word. Yeah, and you said I think in a teaching team meeting or something like that that man, for some of us we have a problem. We we worship God's Word over God, you know. And so I think that's even a helpful thing to say. Man, God's Word isn't the only thing that's true. God's God's Word is true because God is true. Yeah. Like that's where that starts. That truthful nature to who God is that bleeds into and creates the fact that his word is true. Yeah, well, it just, it's written word, and so everything it says, it's true. You know, every single one of the words and all of the words that are there are true by God, and yet it isn't exhaustive. Yeah. I mean, we get to heaven someday, I think eternity will us realize, I'll never know God completely. Yeah. Because he's infinite. He is beyond complete comprehension, and so we'll forever be learning about this God that we love. The Bible is our is our gift from God to help us understand that now, but eternity is going to be the unfolding of his character throughout all time. Yeah. And I even think it's interesting that, you know, when you're talking about how much more there is to learn in eternity, the truth that God has in like the very core of his being, it it has so many ripple effects to so many things that we couldn't possibly really wrap our minds around. Like you look at, um, I think a lot of people are bored by Leviticus, but Leviticus is such an interesting thing because you see how much care God has over these very minute and little things that he wants us to structure our lives around. And so it's like, man, you get to heaven. Like, I wonder, I wonder how many minute details God will be going over with us in heaven. I think there's going to be many of them for all of eternity because there's just these ripple effects of implication to structuring your life under God's authority um, and the truth of what that is. And that's the fascinating that we just already are overwhelmed by the truth of Scripture, and we yeah. have a difficult time, at least I do, living that out all the time. Imagine not a, a just a written word, but the living word written in our hearts, trying to figure out how do I live up to this, Yeah, and yet doing it in a way that we don't sin and fall short of his expectations. It's crazy to think that way. Yeah, yeah, especially this side of eternity, it's really hard to wrap our minds yeah, around how that could sense. be possible. <laughs> And, uh, and you had a great uh, story in there, too, of one of your daughters who thought that she could fly and uh, intentionally remained unnamed. That was mm -hmm. a classy, that was a, classy thank dad Thank you move. very much. Yeah, way to go. She knows, she's, she knows, yeah, she knows who she is. Yeah, she knows who she is. <laughs> and all your other kids know who she is, too. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, this great story of she thought she could fly, she tried to prove that. She tried to live according to her truth, jumped, and um, paid the consequences of it. And I just thought that was so relatable, and we see so many other places in um, our relationships and in our world right now where people are jumping, um, and we're 
I think only beginning to see the consequences of that. Um, and maybe in some instances we haven't even yet begun to really grasp what the consequences will be. Um, but it got me thinking, okay, there's a lot of people out there in our oikos who are dealing with their truth being something that seems far less delusional than thinking they can fly. And I'm thinking about um, people who are really good friends with this person, um, maybe even parents of a child who's really mm -hmm. kind of going their own way, writing truth themselves. Um, man, when I think about that situation with your daughter, it's like I'm sure there's some people out there who really love some of their friends or family who are going this direction. And they're wondering, like, do I have to let them jump? Like, can I keep them? Can I protect them from jumping and having to pay the consequences of living their life according to this truth? Or do I have to wait until they kind of hit that breaking point and they realize kind of the fallout of the way they've been living and meet them there? Like, is there something preventative I can do? That's so hard. It really is hard because there probably are things that we don't always see that we need to be alert to. Uh, using another example as a parent, when you watch your child running for the street, and you see cars coming, you don't evaluate going, well, maybe I'll just let's see how this plays out. Yeah, so it could be a learning experience. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Well, no, you know in that moment, this is life or death. I want to jump in and grab, and I might hurt my child even by tackling them. Yeah. But it's better than the alternative of what they're going to face. Yeah. I think that as we relate to our, our relational world who is looking for, maybe they were looking to jump or they are already thinking of they're already climbing up the slide to jump off that, I think there's a side where we have to recognize we probably can't stop anyone necessarily. Yeah. But I do think we can speak and coach and challenge and encourage people to hear us. I mentioned on Sunday, I think half the problem is not that people have doubts. I think people have lots of doubts. Yeah. I've had doubts in my life. And as I mentioned on the weekend, doubts actually are good because they usually push us back to figure out what is truth. Yeah. So doubts aren't bad, but when you listen to the wrong voices, that's when you have a problem. And so, if my child is going down a road that leads to disobedience or just destruction, at some point I want to make sure they hear my voice. Yeah. But they still may choose not to listen to me, but I need to be accountable to say, here's my voice, and they may choose to listen to this voice or to another voice. But I think it's my calling to let them know what God's Word is, because I think it's unloving to not to just say, I'll see you at the bottom. Yeah. And you're going to land at some point, and I wish you could have avoided that, but I'm not going to have warned you. Yeah. I mean, all through the Bible, I think even the Old Testament, we have this pattern of God saying, this is going to happen, and he sends a prophet with a warning saying, hey, there's still time. Yeah. Turn around. Don't go Repent. down that path. Yeah. And we have tons of stories of that. John the Baptist came before Jesus and said, hey, prepare your way of the Lord. He's coming. Yeah. Get your heart right. And so... I think we have some prophetic elements in our life where we could reach out into people's lives and say, hey, listen to me, I want you to avoid this. They may not listen. Yeah. I mean, it's sad to say, they didn't actually listen to Jesus when he talked. Yeah. So there's a part of us we recognize the, the human sinful soul will reject God. Yeah. And reject his wisdom. But I do think we're accountable to at least let that message be heard because I think it's the most loving thing we can do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really tricky balance. You know, I think of some um, parents of kids that are struggling with uh, their kids are struggling with their gender identity, mm -hmm. things like that. 
um, it's a really difficult balance to remain, attempt to remain winsome in that person's life and influential. Um, because on one hand, you see parents, man, the moment that they hear that, they're trying to snatch the kid off the slide. And in some ways, they end up pushing the kid further. And, um, and so you see this like almost attempt to control the situation and it backfires entirely. And so it's like this really tricky balance of like, man, I want you to know what the truth is. But I also want to position myself that when there's fallout, I'm still the person that will be there yep. for you. Yep. And I think that's what's not thought about some of the time where the fear and the panic sets in when you start hearing those things as a parent or as a friend and you want to just kind of try to control the situation. We end up almost creating this gap in the relationship where now I'm not the person who's going to be there for you in the fallout. Yeah. I want to make sure that you know what's true. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that I remain the person that can be there for you in the fallout if everything goes bad. And yep. it's still going to be there. Like you, I thought that was such a great, you didn't pick up your daughter and yell at her. And man, you you made sure she knew it was true, but she, you also made sure you, she knew she was loved yep. and that you were going to continue to serve her and carry her and, and even carry the burden of that consequence with her, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't, you know, your fault. Yeah. I think it's in our society, even the families. I have good friends that have that same situation going on. And at some point um, in a world of so many changes, your consistency in this situation, they're parents of a, of a child yeah. struggling with that same issue. Your consistency is what speaks so many volumes mm. because their world's changing. They're wanting you to embrace and accept their behavior at times there might be very overt with that and, and judgmental towards someone else to say, you're not accepting me. And I think differentiating between acceptance and love is very, you know, yeah. different because we can love anyone through anything, Yeah. but acceptance might not look the same. And so we can be loving and still call them to the truth. It doesn't mean that's not unloving. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's the hard part where society is telling, if you don't agree, you're unloving, you're a hater, Yeah. you're a bigot, you, whatever term we throw out there, but I think Christ would say, no, you can be loving and directive with the truth. Yeah. And they're not incompatible. So that if and when that child comes back, it's the prodigal son in you know Luke 15, where when the son's coming, no, no, we love that person. And look, yeah. and they're coming back and they celebrate that. Yeah. I think that's the, the thing is when, when a child in this situation is saying, I, I can't believe I went down this road. It's been five years. I, I, I just, I want to come back, mom and dad. Yeah. To say... Hey, we love you. We've always loved you. And we're the same people you left. Yeah. We were loving then we're loving now and we're consistent. I think there's a power in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a tricky thing. I think our, our culture has muddied up so much of it in the kind of, um, extremes that we live in with a cancel culture where it's mm -hmm. like, we either, um, agree on everything or there's no relationship. And it's like, man, how can I, in the lives of those people in my oikos, whether family members or friends, how can I remain in their life, still remain firm on what the truth is? And also maybe at certain points, I need to be okay to play the long game. That's yeah. what I love about the freedom of the power of oikos mm -hmm. is to be like, it's going to be the long-term relationship, the time in that I have with you that is going to prove to you over and over again who God is how much he loves you and how beneficial he would be to your life if you just accepted what he's done for you. And so there is that part where it's like, at what point, man, there, I just 
think about so many different relationships in my Oikos. Some things, it's like things were just immediately clicking. And others, it's like, this is going to be a long game with this person. But it's going to be the time in that I have with them and the consistency of my character, my love for them, um, my being involved in their life um, that's going to ultimately win them over. Yeah, because their story has a backstory. Yeah. And every backstory frames what's happening in their life. Yeah. So when someone says, "Why I mean, I'm just having a difficult time with this long-term project," more than likely their backstory is longer. Yeah. That's framed some of the decisions that they're making in the present, where they've been hurt, they've been mis, you know, mis, misunderstood. Maybe they've been wounded in some way, and they're just living out this new reality. And it's like for them, this is what I want. It's not what God wants. Yeah. But this is going to take more work to break through that. Because yeah. they have too much water behind the end of the bridge, and they're just they're 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 fighting this difficult difficult time. Yeah, yeah, it's such a it's such a challenge, and I, and it leads me to this point of you ended with, um, you know, you had uh, world changers. They love the truth. They learn the truth. They live the truth. And as you wrapped up with live the truth, um, you had this great point. Probably people have heard it before. Um, you're not going to argue people into the kingdom of God, and I think that really connects with this issue, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to argue somebody out of the pos- position that they've decided to live their life towards. That's not going to be what like wins them over. Is I just have these clever arguments, and I think that's part of the problem for us is when we hear that in our oikos, in our family, with our kids, it's like boom, I'm going to argue you, and that's kind of our first defense mechanism that kicks in when it's like, man. What does that contrast look like practically from arguing to like, and you said there's times for those conversations, but generally those are, I think even in some of the situations you were talking about, it made me think of some of the conversations we've had of conversations you'll have with scholars and things like that, that you interact with. Those are a lot more of the time that you're arguing people. But when those situations happen, those are great opportunities to live the truth. Um, What does that look like for us to say, okay, I feel this defense coming in. I want to argue. How how can I live the truth? Ed, I'd almost go in reverse order today and say, we live it out in such a way that our life is consistent with the truth we say we believe. Uh, Again, the world says hypocrites. That word pops up a lot because we say this is what we believe, but then we act differently. I think it starts with living that out which is just practical. It's taking the scriptures and saying, what does it say? What is it challenging? What is it commanding? What is it encouraging? What is it describing? And then living that out for people to see on a regular basis. I think it's just practical. It's not highly technical. It's just taking the truth and living it out. Mm. But to do that, I think you go learn. And I think part of it is we live out only what we've learned. Yeah. And so we say, I just, you know, we have this, I'm going to follow the golden rule. That's what I've, that's what I've learned in life. Well, that's great. But the gospel is so much richer than capture that. it. Yeah. And so the more you learn, I think then what you live out is more effective. It's more powerful. It's more meaningful. So the more we learn, I think it allows us to live more effectively. But ultimately, I think it goes back to that love. Yeah. It's loving God so much that people begin to see us as different people. Yeah. Even in the early church, you know, Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples by your not by your truth, yeah. not just by your understanding, but by, by your, your arguments. Love. Not by your arguments. Yeah. And there's a love element that we are supposed to have as believers that people watch us interacting and say, that's different. Yeah. That's different than what I have in the world. And those guys, they're friends, but he really loves that other guy and he cares for him. And that guy loves his wife so well and blesses her. Their relationship's different. Yeah. That guy's friends. I mean, it's just so much based on this, how we care for each other. Yeah. So I think... You know, starting with that living, then learning, then loving, even backwards, both directions work. Yeah. Because. 
they are they're bound to each other. Yeah, it's almost like learning is the is the filling in the Oreo cookie because in some ways the mm-hmm. love informs our learning and it drives our desire to learn. But then at the same time, the mission of living it out that drives our desire to learn because you'll go talk to somebody in your Oikos and they're like, "Yeah, but what about?" And they hit you with something that you've never thought about Absolutely. before, and then that drives your learning, and then you know, then your love for God drives your learning. And it's like these two things together, they kind of keep you coming back to this kind of ever student, this ever disciple yeah. of following Jesus, that man, I'm on mission. And so I need to keep, I need to keep learning for the sake of the people that I'm on mission for. But then at the same time, I just, I love the Lord and I want to know more about him. I want to understand his love for me better. Um, and those two things, they drive in a kind of unique way together. Yeah, I love that. Because if you do those both, the response is a life that people find attractive. Yeah, people look at you. I just think as you, as you look at that balance, it's it's almost it's overwhelming because we'll never get there. Yeah, and so we can't come across like, "Ooh, I'm the perfect balance, and I am the double stuff Oreo," you know, and I get this what I want. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a little bit incomplete. But I don't think most people who start walking away from the gospel. Um, they, they understand incomplete people because they're that themselves. Yeah. It's how we help them see the truth to pull them back. Yeah. And to say, I, I get that. We're with you and we're here for you. And um, I just think we could argue till we're, you know, blue in the face. And I want to learn. I've, I mean, You know me well enough. I mean, I have a great passage about learning and studying and growing. And I do think when it comes to the cultural phenomenon, if, if your Oikos member is dealing with gender stuff, you you might want to become an expert at that so you understand how God's word would speak to that. Yeah. Because we don't want to become defensive. We want to have truth. Yeah. And it's easy just to become defensive and say, no, this is this, and being argumentative, not with the Bible, but with political opinions or yeah. either left or right. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you take liberal. however your Instagram feeds discipling you and yeah, let that you inform feed your it arguments. Into there. Yeah. And that's, again, God didn't do that. Yeah. God always brought truth to bear, even in situations where he tells one lady, go and sin no more because yeah. she was in a lifestyle that was destructive. Yeah. Tell someone else who thought he was righteous, sell everything you have, and he knew he wouldn't. Yeah. He, he hit them where they're at in their life. Yeah. With the truth and yeah. with great love. Yeah. It's that great, you know, combination in Jesus of truth and grace mixed yeah. together. And, and I think, interestingly, even in that, the way that John kind of writes that, two things that were separate before, but will never be separate again because yeah. of how Jesus lived. And he's brought them together. Two things that didn't seem like they could go together. Exactly. He's brought them together. Right. And I thought it was interesting, just, you know, a couple mornings ago, I was reading in, as you were talking about hypocrisy, and I think that ties so well to this live the truth. And even maybe what drives some of that gap in some of those relationships for us is people look at hypocrisy in our own lives and they say, man, what are you doing calling me out, man? You got all this hypocrisy in your life. Um, Jesus has this great line in Luke about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. That's the leaven to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. That's what, which was just so interesting to me. It struck me anew because I thought, man, that wouldn't have been how I would have described the problem with the Pharisees was their hypocrisy. I would have said that was a a cause of Mm -hmm. one of the problems um, or like a result. A symptom. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. a symptom. But I, I would have said maybe pride or arrogance or things like that. But it was almost this hypocrisy that drove them to be more legalistic, more, um, you know, kind of cut and dry about this is how things have to work and they have to work this way because they're trying to cover so much up themselves that 
it drives them to uh, try to appear holier. And I just thought that was such an interesting comment from Jesus of this is this is what kind of spoils the the Pharisees is it's their hypocrisy because it all of the things that it drives them to following. And I think, man, when I'm in a situation with somebody in my oikos who's deviating from what is true, does the way that I step in, is it fueled by my hypocrisy, my desire to try right. to show that I'm a little bit holier than them? Mm-hmm. Or is it driven by my true love for them, my true desire for them to cling to what is true um, because it's it's just better. It's just better for them. It's better for me to cling to what's true. And I would hope that people would do the same for me. Um, but man, I think in some of those harsh responses we see come out of churches, come out of believers, I think, man, is it driven by that same leaven of the Pharisees, of that hypocrisy? Yeah. I think the consequences that are in front of us have to drive some of that because they were not thinking what was best for the people, like you're yeah. saying. They, it was totally about them feeling righteous about themselves and look how great I am. And yet we look at people in our world that say are walking away from the truth and we have to look at their life as uniquely special and yeah. that there's eternity that hangs in the balance here. And I think the Pharisees lost that. They were just wanting obedience and people to you know keep the rules and i see a potential person who is going to spend eternity away from someone who loves them more than they can ever understand yeah and what they've been looking for their whole life whatever they've chosen to walk away from and whatever habit or decision they've gone towards yeah they're missing the one reason that god made them was to relate to himself yeah and you're like i want them to see that because the joy that they'd have would be so much more amazing that it wouldn't be even comparable to what they're trying to replace that with. Yeah. And we do that as Christians. Yeah. I mean, so it's not just people out there, it's us too, where God wants us to love him so deeply that that just drives us, but we replace him with other things. Yeah. And he becomes a, a number three option. We love that. And we yeah. treat him as a number three and we yeah. cover him with two and then all of a sudden things go wrong and he jumps back up to number one for a while. And then... We go down the road and we yeah. replace him with something new. And so I just think that that habit of replacing God with something else is at the root of all of this. Yeah. And um, it's a great challenge for us to make sure we stay to the truth and hold on to him because otherwise uh, life won't live out the way he intended it to. Yeah. And it's it's that's what's so interesting is the truth, you know, like you so accurately said this weekend, it's one truth. It's not That's not up for debate. But it's almost what we bring to that truth that leads us to these two different roads of how we apply it to our lives and to other people's lives. We can be incredibly legalistic and it's about the rules and you got to get this right versus, man, these are people that God dearly loves and their eternity hangs in the balance. And I want to I want to win them to the truth. I don't want to beat them with the truth. Yeah. And those lead us to drastically different applications of the truth in the way that we... I'm, a, I'm an old guy now, Jackson, and I just laugh because... It goes back to God again, for what we started, because the more I come to know God, the more I know how much I don't live out the truth as much as I want to. Yeah, because it brings see, a humility. Oh, humility. He, you yeah. just understand how great he is, and you're like, I'm not there. Yeah. So it does frame our relationship to others because we don't match up. Yeah. And so when I look at someone who maybe is walking down a road of destruction, I'm on, I've been on that road before. I'm not some higher, mightier person. I've been on that road, and at times I could try take that exit off the highway, get on that road yeah. again. No, no, get back on the road. But it, it's not out of an arrogance. It's out of almost a more of a humility. Like I am, I know the God of truth to a high level. Yeah. And yet I don't even know the God of truth because I have so much more to learn. Yeah. And there's that 
a little softer spirit. Yeah. Because we don't have it all together. We have a God who's got it all together and we're learning more about him and that's our great joy to do that. But we just come alongside and help someone else. Yeah. And if they're behind us, we hold their hand and hey, let's go a little bit further. And if they're in front of us, we find those godly people we follow and say, man, you were my example. Yeah. I'm gonna follow that. But there's always someone in front of us. There's always someone behind us. And I think we have to keep both of those people in our relational world close to us. Yeah. To pull one forward and, and let us be, in, you know, push forward as well by watching the example of others. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a beautiful image for us to close on. And I hope that you've got a um, tangible takeaway maybe from this message coming out of it. And you could leave that there in the comments. We'd love to know what you're taking away from it. As always, don't forget to uh, like this video, maybe share it with a friend. Um, who might be walking through some of these very things. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe so that you get updates about future videos. But that's all we've got for this weekend of tangible t- or this week of tangible takeaways. Kurt, thanks for taking the time again. It's great. Appreciate being here. it. Thanks, Jackson. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week on tangible takeaways. <laughs>